I had traveled to Davenport two times before last Friday was my family pulled in the area in a U-Haul. And so I did what most people do. I GPS. I was like, GPS, get me where I have to go. And I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but there's a lot of road construction going on. There are more roads being worked on here than are in the entire county we moved from. Okay? Uh, amen. So we, we, we started coming and, and, and I, two taking me a different road every time. So the third, of course, a different way. Driving through downtown Moline. And we get toward the Rock Island Arsenal Bridge. And as I'm pulling onto that road, I see a sign that says clearance 11 foot. I begin to think that U-Haul is bigger than 11 foot. I was just listening to an Australian lady on my phone tell me where to go. I don't know why I made it Australian. I just did. And so she's like, proceed straight. And I'm like, no, mate, not doing it. And so I called Rachel, who's driving this, better at driving the U-Haul than I am. Not a lot of men will admit that. I am perfectly comfortable doing it. Clear on the U-Haul. She says, well, it says 12 feet. And I'm not the greatest mathematician in the world. But 12... Our school's fixing to start back for some of you. Some of you have already started back. Just a warning. 12 is bigger than 11. And I was like, baby, we're not going to fit. We're not going to make it under. We've got problems. At this point, it is my vehicle, the U-Haul, hauling a vehicle, and then another vehicle with a trailer that is our friend behind us. And my friend that's behind, he said, no problem, I'll just back up. So he starts to back up until more cars show up. And Rachel tries to And she says, you know what, I'm just going to go around and turn around and come back the other way. That may have been what she said, but she said a lot of things, I'm sure, at the moment. I, I, I was thinking a lot of things. <laughs> and the next thing I know, when she goes around the corner, she doesn't, I don't see her come back. And she calls me and she says, I made I said, you made what? I'm, I'm almost in tears, just to be honest with you, because I know for the next however long God allows me to live on this earth, I will hear about the fact that I took her to this bridge. The bridge. I was like, okay, how did you do that? And well, needless to say, I followed her. My other friend followed behind us. We went under two other low clearances to get to the house. And I tell you all this for a reason. Is that we have to listen to the people that are telling us where to go, even if we don't think we can get there. See, God was leading the people of Israel for many, many years. If you recall how many years Moses led them in the wilderness, 40 
And I guarantee there were people of the Israelite nation who began to think, we're never going to get it. We're never going to make it. Is my mic pack going in and out? Thank you. Y'all want to mute this so it doesn't make another... Now? Yeah. Hello? Right. But there were people of the Israelite nation, I can promise you, that were thinking, we're never going to make it. You have to think about Moses having to strike a rock, walking around eating manna. They were thinking, we're never going to make it. One thing I love about that story, this is a side note, you're not paying for this, is I love the fact their shoes never wore out. Men, think about that for a second. Never had to buy their wives another pair of shoes. Praise the Lord. But the reality of this is that, is that we have to listen to where God tells us to go. Even if we don't understand how we're going to get there. And that's what we're going to see today in our passage in Joshua chapter 1. I want to invite you to stand as we read the word of the Lord together. If you can stand. It is a long passage, so if you need to stay seated, it is okay. Verses 1 through 15, the word of the Lord reads this way. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them. To the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We'll stop there. Let's pray. Father God, as we take in your word today, God, as we chew on the truth that is in this passage, God, I pray today that you would speak. God, that you would hide me behind the cross. God, that you would use your Holy Spirit to share a word with your people. 
God, you are so good to us. Better than we could ever deserve. And Father, today as we study this word together, we go ahead and proclaim the promise that your word never returns void. And that today you're going to work in the hearts of your people. God, you're going to work in the heart of this church to move us to what's next. God, would you guide every footstep we take? Would you turn our ears to hear your word today? It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You know, we've been here for, uh, I guess, about nine days. And most of the people I've come across that I've had a chance to have more than just a few seconds of greeting and conversation, I hear this question. So, Pastor, what's next? What are we doing next? I will tell you this in all of clarity that I can. I don't know. Words you don't often hear. But I don't know where we're going. And can I go ahead and confess to you, I don't think knowing where we're going is as important as knowing who we're following. And can I tell you, I may be your pastor, but you're not following me. As Paul says, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We're going to follow the Lord Jesus and his spirit's leading. Because if this next step for the church is all about Pastor Wade's desires, and can I tell you, we're going to paint the, paint the building blue and still have silver carpet, and we're going to hang Dallas Cowboy stars in the building. <clears throat> now I'm surprised the Bears and Packers people aren't throwing things at me yet, and that's okay. I think there's a few Vikings fans, too. I didn't even know they were playing this year. Um, <clears throat> Well, the reality is this, is it's not about me. And honestly, it's not even about Grandview. If that's all we're concerned about is the name on the sign outside, then we've really missed the point of the gospel. Is that this is about where God is going to take us. And we see this in this passage for Joshua. Joshua and the people of Israel were in a place of transition. Moses, who had led them for all these years, and he had provided for them. He had been God's mouthpiece to them. And Moses didn't get to take that next step. God had already prepared Joshua for that step. We're going to learn four things today. Four things that I want you to glean from this passage. About what are the keys to the next Keys to the next step for us as a church. Number one is this. Now go. You see that it's in the passage after God has told uh, Joshua, you're going to take over. He says this in verse 2. Now, therefore, arise and go. See, what we don't need to do in this time of transition is to sit and wait. It's time to go. It's time to proceed to continue the message of the church, which is this, God is good and Jesus saves. It's time to continue that message. It's time to continue that movement to reach the community. This is an obvious time of transition 
But see, God didn't want them to look and go, well, Joshua's different than Moses. Can I tell you, Brian and I are not the same people. I don't know if you've picked up my accent yet. We'll have translators available at the end of service. And I've already had to stop myself from saying y'all a few times. But the reality is this, is God is telling them, look, we're going to move forward. Because there's still a goal, right? There was a goal given to them in Genesis chapter 15. God says, oh, I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. And it is going to be your land. And I'm going to be your God. And it's going to be beautiful. That's Genesis 15. And we're in Joshua 1. All this time had passed. God wanted them to know, I'm still faithful and we're still going to get there. We're still going to be the church that God has called us to be. And as we recognize that, though, there's a few things we have to pick up on in this passage. It's right there in verse 2, it says, Go over the Jordan, you and all this people. Can I tell you, it is going to be paramount as a church as we make the next step that we're unified, that we're together, that we realize we've got to all be on board. If there's any way Satan can destroy a church, it's to ruin the unity of the body. And here's what he sees. If he sees a chink in the armor, he says, I'm going right there. I'm hitting the weak spot. So how do we stay unified? We pray up. We read up. We worship. And we serve. We come together as one body. Jesus' final uh, time of prayer on earth, the high priestly prayer in John 17, he says this. He says, Lord, let them be one as we are one. Can I tell you, um, we don't all look the same. One day when you get to heaven, you'll all be glorified, bald like I am. It's fine. <laughs> Got to keep it light. The reality is this, is that we don't all look the same, we don't all think the same, but we all serve the same one. And we've got to be unified in that together. We can't start wanting our preferences or our choices or our own desires to creep in because when that happens, disunity happens. And I want us to walk to the promised land together. I want us to, to walk into the next season together and be able to look at each other and go, we may not like the same thing, but we love the same one. And be satisfied with that. You see, as we understand that we've got to all be on board, we have to understand that God, God already knows what's next. God already knows. God is not caught off guard by anything. Nothing surprises the Lord. If we were to come in here for worship uh, in a few weeks and, and be able to have Sunday school and our numbers are just blowing out the doors and, and all of a sudden we have to tear the, the do not enter things off the pews, God's not going to sit back and go, wow, how'd that happen? God already knows. But can I tell you, if in six months we have less people and we have more sickness, and we still don't have Sunday school, God's not going to go, what happened? He already knows. He's already prepared the next step. So what do we do to follow that?
we take a step with them. We faithfully walk with them. We trust everything that God has laid out. See, we get that in verse 5. Verse 5, it says this, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. God says, when you're ready to go, I'm right there with you. He's right here with us. Can you feel his presence today? Can you feel it in the room? I'm going to go ahead and confess. I was nervous about standing up here because last time I preached, I sweated really bad. And I was like, I don't have a handkerchief. I don't have nothing up here to cool me off, nothing to wipe me down. I'm glistening a little bit. But the presence of the Lord is just kind of giving me a calm to know that he's here. And he's going to be with us. His word says, I will never leave you or forsake you. If we stay at church focused on the word of God and on the power of the Holy Spirit, I can promise you today, he will be with us. He will never leave us. See, a lot of churches get stopped right in their tracks because they're afraid. Right? They're fearful. How many times have you been stopped in your tracks because you were afraid of something? I remember being a a small child at the city pool that I was at every day. And I had someone talk me into going to the high dive. Now, the high dive was probably about 10 feet off the ground, but it looked 50. And every step you took, it felt like you were never going to get there. And I remember getting at the top, and my mom was off in the distance, and she told me if I would jump, I would get a new G.I. Joe. And some of you, that means something. Some of you are like, who? Educate our children. Okay. I remember standing up there and walking to the edge and looking off and going, yeah, Joe ain't worth it. And I remember turning around, walking back, and someone else had already climbed the ladder. It was the swimming instructor. Her name was Penny. And Penny said, I'll jump with you. I'll jump with you. See, when we realize we're not alone, that fear goes away. God is saying, I'm right here with you. What else do you need? What else do you need other than the presence of the almighty creator, the alpha and the omega, the one who stops the, the, the water from coming in on the oceans and the one who sends it back out, the one who made the mountains? What else do you need? Thank you. What else do you need? Because no amount of committees, no amount of money can get you where the presence of God can get you. And so he says, he's never going to leave you. It meant a lot to a young man who was looking at moving his family nine hours away. God said, I've got this. I'm going to be with you. And can I tell you, church, he's here. The second thing that we have to do, and honestly, it's probably more important than just than now going, is this, is we've got to obey. We've got to obey God's commands. So what he tells them here, he says, 
in verse 6. He says, be strong and courageous for, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to give their fathers. Only be strong and courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law. Did you hear that? Emphasize the word there. All the law. All the law that Moses, my servant, commanded. Do not turn from the right or to the left. That you may have success wherever you go. See, we've got to stay focused on the word. But I want us to understand and stay focused on the word. As we can't pick what parts we like and what parts we don't. Years ago, I was walking a church through the book of Hosea. If you've never read the book of Hosea, may I greatly encourage you to go read it. And while you do, prepare to go. But I led our church through the book of Hosea and had a dear saint, Miss Peggy. Miss Peggy had been uh, just a saint in that church for many, many years. Her husband was a deacon. They were amazing people. They were in their 80s and just raring to go. Never missed a church service until I was two weeks into Hosea. She did not come. The third week into Hosea, she was not there. Finished Hosea, and Miss Peggy showed up. And I said, Miss Peggy, where have you been? We've missed you. She said, I didn't like that book. I didn't like that book telling me that I was, uh, that I was a prostitute. I didn't like it. So I wasn't going to hear about it. I love Miss Peggy. Because that's the reality sometimes for you and I. We, we claim to love the word of the Lord, but there are parts of the word of the Lord we do not like. The part that confronts our sin, the part that tells us, hey, you know what? You've got some things you need to work out. And sometimes when we get to those parts of the word, we just turn away from it. We say, well, I'm, I'm going to go back to, to Psalms because it's, it's, pre it's pretty. Oh, I'm going to turn away from that chapter in Daniel that confronts my idolatry because it's just not something I want to deal with right now. So I'm going to go back to my daily Proverbs reading because, oh, it's good. We've got to follow all the word of the Lord. Stay focused on it. Can I tell you that when we look at that following the law, I'm so glad that Jesus summed it up for us in Matthew 22. I want to invite you to turn there real quickly. One of the pastor's favorite sounds to hear are pages flipping in a Bible. So I want to hear them turn. Matthew chapter 22. Verse 37 through 40. I'm not sure how some of you feel about this. I hope you're okay with it. If you see my Bible, you'll see it's like this. Feel free to underline passages that, that just that really speak to you. My Bible, if you look at it, it looks like somebody had surgery on it. It's underlined and circled and arrows drawn all over the place. This passage right here, Jesus sums it up for us. He sums up the whole word in this. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. 
And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And in verse 40, on these two commands depend all the law and the prophets. If you want to focus on staying true to God's word, love him and love people. That right there sums it all up. Because when you love God, you're not going to break his word on purpose. When you love your spouse, do you intentionally throw daggers at them? When you love your children, do you intentionally stomp out their dreams? No, because when you love someone, you care about all they say to you and all they do. When we love God, we'll love his word. But see, we can't just absorb the word. We've got to do the word. That's, the, that's one of the, the biggest hang-ups I've seen in the church world for the last 22 years that I've been in ministry. Is that we know the word, but we don't often follow through and do the word. James chapter 1 says this. He says, don't just be hearers of the word. Be doers of the word. How many times have you told somebody you'd pray for them, but didn't pray for them? How many times have we failed to live up to the word of the Lord? Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the entire Bible, but we read over and over and over, I love your word, I love your laws, I love your precepts. And it says, oh, I meditate on them day and night. And how can I keep my, my life pure? By living and knowing the word of God. And I can tell you, when I, when I first started hearing things about Grandview, this is what I heard. This is a church that preaches the word. Well, I want to go ahead and warn you, we ain't stopping. Ain't's not proper grammar, but we're not stopping. We're going to learn the Word. We're going to do the Word. And can I tell you the beautiful thing that happens in this? It comes here at the end of verse 8. He says, when you follow my Word, when you meditate on my Word, when you make it part of your life, this is what he says in the end of verse 8. He says, for then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Can I tell you, we have really messed that up, though. And, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like to call out uh, prosperity gospel preachers, but can I just go ahead and say, there's a Greek word for prosperity gospel pastors. And that word is... <laughs> it's in the New Greek translation, so. See, we read these words, oh, if we just do what God says, oh, we're going to be prosperous, we're going to have money, we're going to have numbers. Can I tell you, the world qualifies success in numbers. God quantifies success in obedience and faithfulness. Church, I want us to be a prosperous church. I want Grandview to be a successful church. That success is not numbered. By seats that are filled, but by hearts that love the Lord God. See, we not only have to go, we not only have to obey, but we need to prepare. We need to prepare. You don't leave for a trip without preparing, do you? Unless you're one of my children. 
Luckily, my oldest child now packs the bags for all of our other children. Because there were times when we'd go on to visit Nana for the weekend, and we would tell them, look, you need to pack uh, this many sets of clothes. You need to pack your brush, your toothbrush. Oh, we don't have to pack toothbrush. Nana has that. But we would get there, and I'm going to owe her a quarter. But I would say to Georgia, say, Georgia, where are your shoes? I didn't bring any. I told you to pack your bags. See, we've got to be prepared for what God's going to do next. We've got to be ready to take that step. And part of understanding what that next step looks like is to have a few things lined up already. And these are a few things that I see in, in this uh, passage and some I see further down the line. Verses 10 and 11, if you read that along with me, it says this. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. For within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go into possession of the land that the Lord your God has given you to possess. See, Joshua is telling them, you know where we're going, you know what we're doing, but prepare yourself to get there. And we see in Joshua chapter 3, verse 3, the first thing that I, we have to have as we prepare Chapter 3, verse 3. It says, And they commanded the people, As soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow. What we have to have is the presence of God to make the next step. If we go, and I've already shared this once, so I'm, going to, I'm reiterating this for a purpose, is because too often we do this, we focus on preference, right? Is that not where most major church splits happen? Preference? We lose that unity when it's all about preference and not about presence. He says, when you see God go, you better go. In fact, the word used is immediately. You don't watch God go and go, Let's see where he's going first. When God goes, you go. Like that. Church, if we're not in the presence of the Lord, then we're a country club. Just a meeting place. A coffee shop. And not a church. But not only do we have to follow immediately God's presence, we know what we need to check our own hearts a little bit. There's a word that we don't often use enough in church, and that word's repent. I love when I say stuff like that, Brian, and I don't get the amen I kind of anticipated. You know what that tells me? There's some repentance needs to happen. That's it. Repentance has to happen. Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 40 says this, says, let us examine our ways and return to the Lord. Let us examine our own hearts. Let's pause for a minute and check our hearts to make sure that we're in the right place. 
Morning, uh, this is a thing that I do, and you're going to learn as we go, that I do often ask questions to see if I can get a response. Anybody, anybody got sin in your life that you maybe have just held on to and don't, don't confess? I'm not going to ask you to shout it out. You can just raise your hands. It's fine. We've got to examine our hearts. Because if we're going to enter into the presence of the Lord, we've got to be clean. We've got to be in the right place. We've got to make sure that we're following the Lord and not some popular thought. But see, we've got to not only check our hearts, but we have to commit to follow God. I'm going to go back to that night on the bridge. I was not committed to go across that bridge. And I said, like, no, no. And I'm, I'm asking the Lord in my head, I'm like, could you just move all the cars that way? Like, I, I legitimately asked God in the deepest part of my spirit, I was like, could you just make all traffic stop? The Lord said no. But if I was going to be committed to following that voice that was telling me where to go, I was going to have to go. I'm going to go ahead and say there's going to be seasons in the future where that question is going to be asked, why are we doing this? Some of you may be asking that right now. They're like, this, we hired this guy? <laughs> but as you're sitting there and you're asking, where are we going? Commit to follow God, and you'll get this. Don't commit to follow me. I'm just a man. But commit to follow the Lord. Just look back when Jesus calls his first disciples in Matthew chapter 4. Did he tell them where they were going? He just said, hey guys, follow me. And it doesn't say that they contemplated it, they sat down, had a committee meeting. They called an elder board meeting. Like, well, I just we got to talk this through. And he said they immediately laid down their nets. And followed him. Can't you just imagine that conversation that first night when they're all together? And they're like, hey, Jesus, where are we sleeping tonight? He was like, I don't know. What are we eating tonight? What'd you bring with you? How are we going to pay to eat? I don't know. God will provide. He just said, follow. And they went. What a novel idea that God says do something and we go, sounds good. Faith. All it takes is a little bit of faith. See, there's other things that come along, though, with preparing to, is you got to remember this, you got to prepare to face resistance. See, anytime you desire to do something for the Lord, the enemy is going to get involved. The devil doesn't like anything God's people does. He can't stand it. That's, I mean, I literally, as we were singing the song, we're, I'm going to see a victory. And I'm sitting there in my spirit, and I'm getting kind of buzzy about that song. I was like, oh, yes. Oh, we're going to see victory. We're going to see victory. And whoom! And all of my thoughts I could gather together was this, is that, see, the enemy can't stand that already. I don't know if y'all hear how well y'all sound. Man, it was beautiful. Y'all sounded beautiful. 
And the devil said, I don't like it. See, because he's a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. He wants to rip to shreds anything that the Father is doing. That's why I love what Joshua tells the people in verses 12 through 15. And and I'll just sum it up for you. Actually, the people responded. They said, oh, we remember what Moses told us. He told us we had to be armed. He told us we needed our swords to cross over. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, we got to put on the armor. Because the enemy wants to kill us. We were sitting Friday in the AT&T uh, store getting our phones handled. And a guy sitting across from me, I invited him to church. He shrugged me off a little bit. And then he started quoting the armor of the Lord. And I thought, this guy doesn't even want to be in church, and he can tell me that. Well, can I just go ahead and reaffirm, it doesn't matter how well you know it, you got to put it on. It doesn't do anything to go, I know how to use that sword, if you don't pick it up. We've got to be prepared to face resistance. And that's going to come from inside and outside. I'm just going to go ahead and be real with you as a pastor. I know it's going to come inside just as much as it is outside. We're going to follow the Lord. Exodus 14, 14, the Lord says, I will fight for you. I'm going to trust that today. See, we don't just do these things, and I know y'all are used to a little bit shorter sermons, and that's the southern in me. i got to get done. Well, we're not only going to go, we're not only going to obey, we're not only going to prepare to move, but we're going to do this. We're going to expect God to be faithful. Can I get an amen on that? Praise the Lord. We're going to expect God to be who God is. God is a promise keeper, not just a promise maker. He promised, I'm going to get you to the promised land. I'm going to get you to the land that's your own land. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. They have that land now. Even against all the powers of every government that has ever tried to stomp them out, they're still there. Because God is faithful. God is going to get us where we have to go. See, so often people give up on God's plan because there's a rough patch. You ever had a rough patch? Amen. Glad I'm not alone. We've all had rough patches. And if you just say, well, God, it's too tough, and God says, you're going to miss the blessing at the end of the road. See, we've got to understand that he's faithful. He is going to come through. When we put, limit our expectations to God, we miss what he's really capable of doing. I've heard this verse said 15 times this week. Ephesians 3.20. Yeah, y'all already like, yep. That he is able to do far more and abundantly than we could ever hope, dream, or imagine. He's faithful. He's never failed. And can I promise you, he's not starting today. So as you ask me, Pastor, what's next? Pastor Wade, what's next for, for Grandview? We're going to go. We're going to obey. We're going to prepare. 
And we're going to expect God to be who he's always been. See, just as God was faithful to provide for the people of Israel, he was faithful to provide for you and me today. Some of you today may be here for the first time and you're like, I'm not sure what's going on. And can I promise you this? God was faithful enough to know you'd be here today. And he knew that you needed to hear that Jesus loves you. Church, attenders, Jesus died for you. He died for you. He rose for you. He's coming back for you. He's faithful.